here we go. Parashat Pekudeh. We are about to finish Sefer Shmot. This is big. Now, Sefer Shmot is a huge Sefer. Sefer Shmot is like, we get out of Egypt. We become Am Yisrael. This is unbelievable. We, 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 the splitting of the sea and the plagues, and this is unbelievable. And we made a menorah, and we had 14 different carrot stones, and we got to get the pillars in place. It's a little bit anticlimactic, don't you think? Ela Pekudeh Mishkan. Do you know what it means, Pekudeh Mishkan? These are the accountings. This is like an accounting, right? We got 14 barrels of wine, we got 36, but like, really? Anybody here want to be an accountant? Okay, good, we can make fun of them. Like, seriously, that's how we end Sefer Shemot? So, I, I want to tell you something I want to share with you an interesting idea from Parshat Pekudeh, okay? Um, so, I have a vivid memory of this. I was a chayal boded. I was a lone soldier. I'm sure some of you know what that means. Uh, my parents did me the enormous favor of landing in Israel on a Thursday. And why is that an incredible favor? Because Thursday is the day that people in tanks hate the most. It's the absolute worst, most hated day in tanks. And even when you're in basic infantry training, they make Thursday night a misery. You have to clean all your gear. You stay up all night. You're greasing the wheels of the tank and everything else. It's just a horrible night. There's nothing cool about it. It's just depressing. You end up like a greaseball, disgusting mess. You, you, sometimes you haven't slept for two days. They don't let you sleep, etc., etc. But my parents were landing. Okay? And so I, I wanted to ask for, you know, to get out early instead of getting out on Friday to get out on Thursday. Now, when you're in basic, you don't just, you know, later in the army, you just go to your commander. You say, like, I need to get out. And he says, I'll get back to you, whatever. But you have to write a note I never understood this because you never do this again in the army. Basically, to write a note, Ela mem mem samal, like to the platoon commander by way of the sergeant. I would like to make a request. And if you don't write it right on, some nonsense left over from Britain. I don't know. Sorry, right? So, so I give in this official request, and it gets back because there's a spelling mistake, and then I give it in again, and finally, and I'm waiting desperately for the answer, and they call me over like Thursday morning, right? Because they want to keep you in suspense. Just you should have as much misery as you can because you're in basic training. And they called me up Thursday morning and, you know, I get a notice that, you know, the Samali show, like the chief sergeant wants to see me and I got to run over to the tent where they are and you can't just go up to him. You have to stand at attention. You have to stand like two meters away. You have to wait for him. When he comes out, you say, I'm fucked. Like there's a whole ritual to this. He comes and to Friedman, we received your request. It went through the appropriate channels and you've been granted your leave. Right, this afternoon, you know, you'll be getting out to make sure that you're mitzuchzach megulach, shaved, polished, all set on uniform, you'll be inspected, and you can get out early. I'm like, oh, this is so awesome, I'm getting out on Thursday afternoon. Like, you never get out on Thursday afternoon. And I made one huge error. Okay, I'm standing at attention, and I said, Todam, fucked. thank you, sir. Right, he's like turning around already, he's walking away. Right, he goes, Mazik! Which is the way they say, you're in trouble. Right, what was that? Right? I know I did something wrong, but I have no idea what he did wrong. So fuck it. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, sir, he says, I'm not a toda. Did you say thank you? No, you don't say thank you in the army. Why don't you say thank you in the army? Anybody know? Pardon? Because what you do, you do because you're ordered to do it. And if this is what the commanders decide, that's what you do it. And if you get something, it's because you've earned it. There is no toda, right? You don't get thanked in the army, right? It's like me coming into your room and saying, thank you for making your bed today. That's ridiculous, right? That's ridiculous, right? Okay, right? There's no thank you in the army, right? 
It was such a mistake. Now, I did eventually get out, but I got out three hours, three hours later than I was supposed to. I had to run around the base singing every song that they could think of with the word toda. You know, toda kol mashe bagata mizmole toda, like everything they could think of until I finally got the message. I will never forget that. To this day, I vehemently disagree. I don't completely get it, but I understand the principle, right? Why do I tell you this story? So we're completing Sefer Shemot. And we're talking about the Mishkan. And there's an interesting Pasuk. Shemot, Perak Lamed Tet. Okay? Pasuk Lamed Bet. Alright? Pasuk Lamed Bet. Vatechel, Taf Kaf Lamed. Vatechel, Kol Avodat Mishkan Ol Moed. What does that mean? All the work of the Mishkan, building the Mishkan, was what? What's Vatechel? What does that remind you of? Vayichal. Vayichal. Right? So what does it mean? From the word kol. And all the work was complete. Kol. Everything. It's all complete. Right? Okay? Vatechel. Vayasu b'nei Yisrael kechol asher tzivat Moshe kein asu. Let me read that again. You ask me two questions. I'm going to read it again. You ask me two questions. Vayasu b'nei Yisrael kechol asher tzivat Hashem et Moshe kein asu. And the Jewish people did everything that Hashem commanded Moshe, so did they do. Two questions, yes. So number one is it says uh, asu twice? Right. Why does it say asu and then kein asu? Yeah. If they asu it, they asu it. Uh-huh. Right? By the way, just to complicate that question, listen to, that's Pasuk Lamed Bet. Listen to Pasuk Membet. Ten Pesukim later. Kechol asher Hashem et Moshe. According to everything Hashem commanded Moshe. Kain asu b'nei Israel. So did the Jewish people do it. Kol avodah, all the work. Vayar Moshe kol avalachavi neasuota. And Moshe sees this, and they did it. Yeah, we know they did it because you just said they did it. After having said they already did it, after they said they did it, there's a lot of doing here. Vineasuota kasher tiva Hashem kain asu. What's all the asu? So that's one question. What's the other question? Yeah. Why does say Hashem Ah, if. They did it. It must be Hashem commanded them to do it. But Hashem didn't command them to do it. Hashem commanded Moshe to do it. So that's an odd phrase and an odd choice of words. By the way, who was commanded to build the Mishkan? Who was commanded to build the Mishkan? Yeah? Okay, obviously, right? Did Moshe have an emissary? What was it? There were two of them. What was his name? Betzalel and Oliav. How much... Did Bnei Yisrael actually do? Does anybody know which of the Kalim Bnei Yisrael actually built? The answer is correct. None. The artisans do it. But Salal does it, or Aliyah, of course. How could, you know, so I take this Inberger Rebbe, I say, listen, I want you to build me a Menona. I'll be back in an hour. This is a ridiculous thing. How could you build this? Of course you didn't build it. So why does it say that Jewish people do everything that Moshe was commanded? Okay, two interesting questions. And of course, thirdly, obviously they, what, what's the third question? The third question, yeah? We already know that they already did, did all of this. Well, that we said. They did it, we know they did it, why do they say they do it again? But there's something else, yeah? Isn't this whole thing a repeat of previous Parshat? Pardon? Isn't this whole thing a repeat of previous Parshat anyway? Okay, that too, but it's part of the same question, but yeah. No, more obvious question. So Rav Blau came and he asked Moshe Epstein, could you bring me my bottle? Because it's over there. Right? Blau's sitting over here. Moshe Epstein's over there. There's a bottle there. Blau said, could you bring me my bottle? So Moshe Epstein picks up the bottle, brings it over to Blau. Right? So Rav Judah's walking in and says, 
Moshe Epstein kola kavod and doing exactly what Rabblau asked. So you'd think he's funny, right? It's like Purim. This is really good job. And then I come over and say, Good job, Moshe. I saw you brought him the bottle. Very nice. <laughs> if Rabblau asks you to bring him a bottle, then you're right there. Of course you bring him a bottle. Because Baruch Hu says build a Mishkan. How high and how fast? Of course, what's the big deal? The Jewish people did what God commanded. Woo! By the way, does Hashem command us to, I don't know where it is? Do we all wear tzitzis? How could that be? So maybe there is something to be said that if Hashem says something, but this raises another interesting question. What's the fundamental difference between a Jew in the desert doing what Hashem asks and me doing what Hashem asks? Raise your hands because I can't hear you all at once, yeah? And therefore, what's the fundamental difference? They know and we believe. They're after Shavuot and Pesach, and we're after Purim. What's the fundamental difference between Pesach and Purim? Pesach, right, what does it say? In, it says, Kafalem Right? They, the Hashem turns the mountain upside down over them. Now, I don't believe that's literal, although you could debate that topic. What does that really mean? It means they were so overwhelmed with the experience, they have no choice. Right? Imagine when Vlichtenstein walks in here, he says, I'm going to give you a three-part test. There's three questions, multiple choice. And Chumash. And there's a Chumash sitting right here. He says, but don't open the Chumash. Like, and then he sits there and he watches me. Am I going to open? Of course I'm not going to open. Of course. So then he walks away and says, by the way, good job not cheating. Like, that's ridiculous. Who's going to cheat? You know Hashem is the, runs the world. Because you just saw Hashem. You heard Hashem. They saw sound. On the other hand, Purim. Purim, it's all hidden. It's all hidden. We don't know. What does Mordechai say? Who knows? But maybe this is why you're in the palace. What do you mean, who knows? You're the Navi. You should know. You're on the Sanhedrin. You have Ruach HaKodesh. You're going to be part of the Anshik Nesta What is How does the Navi talk? This is what's happening. No. But who knows? Purim <coughs> is who knows. So we're going to get into that. But in the desert, they know. We're going to talk about that next week. In the desert, they know. So if they know, then what's the big deal? So what's going on here? But there's another detail. More than just Kainasu. So what does it say? Fascinating. Kainasu b'nei Yisrael kol avodah v'yar Moshe kol malacha v'nei asu otak asher tira Hashem Kainasu. And Moshe sees all the work that they did and they really did it. V'yivarech otam Moshe. And Moshe blesses them. Now at face value, what that means is, Moshe says, you know, Shkoyach, good job. So that sounds suspiciously like, thank you. Good job. Thank you. But you don't say that. Right? Okay? If I come over to you, right? I mean, I have never in the history of a writer walked over to a boy and said, good for you for wearing tefillin. That's what you're supposed to do. The fact that maybe somebody doesn't, he's got to struggle. But he's not doing something that he's clearly supposed to do in Judaism. Right? It's a whole interesting question. Why it is that there are things which we're clearly supposed to do. They're very easy to do, and we don't do them. It's a very interesting question. I get why a person has difficulty with kashras. I get that. You know? I get like, you go to the supermarket in Tel Aviv, and you're not thinking, and then someone says, you know, you should check trumas and masros, and maybe shemitah. Oh, it's a lot of work. Right? But, I don't know, wearing a pair of tzitzis? What's the work in a pair of tzitzis? Like, 
It's just it's like putting on a t-shirt. What's the what's the? I mean, That's even easier, right? But okay. So so we need to understand this, right? And along the way, maybe one more detail. The parallels here are pretty obvious, right? Um, right. We started with right? What does this obviously remind you of? Right? There's a clear parallel here to Breshi. All the Mephoshim notice it. You almost hear the echo of creation. Why is creation hidden? And there are many more parallels, but we don't have the time. Why is creation hidden in, in Parshat Pekuda? Before we get into this, I'm going to do something I don't normally do, right? Which is, does anybody have a suggestion? Because I think this is pretty obvious. Why is there a parallel between the creation of the world and Parshat Pekuda? Yeah? Because we, as ourselves, create something. What do we create? Everything in Parshat. Pardon? Lay it out for me. I'm a three-year-old and I don't know what's in Parshat Pekudeh. What do we create? Mishkan. We're building a Mishkan. Okay, that's a good question. We're building a Mishkan, right? There, Hashem built a world, we're building a Mishkan. Why is building a Mishkan somehow parallel to building a world? Now I'll tell you something else. Because it's true we built a Mishkan. Because it says, Kenasu, they built a Mishkan. Now that I told you we built a Mishkan, let me tell you why we didn't build a Mishkan. Listen to this Rashi. Okay? This is a strange Rashi. Vayaviu et Mishkan. If you look in Pasuk Lamed Gimel, this is the next Pasuk after the first Vayas, Kenasu, whatever. Vayaviu et Mishkan el Moshe et ha'oel vet kol kelav krasav krashav berichav amudav adanav. And they bring the Mishkan, all of it, it's all built, and they bring it to Moshe. It's all set up, they got it, they're all excited, they're going to show him. Okay. So this is in Rashi. Vayaviu et Mishkan, shelo hayu yecholin lahakimo. They brought it to Moshe because they couldn't put it together. Why didn't they just put it together? And so Moshe, look what we did, because they couldn't do it. And Rashi continues. And since Moshe had nothing to do with the Mishkan, he didn't do anything for the Mishkan, right? Hashem planned it to let Moshe finish it by putting up the Mishkan. Because no human being, no human beings could put together the Mishman, Mishkan. Machmat Kovid HaKrashim. The Krashim, right? There, were, there was a sort of a fence, I guess you could call it, around the Chatzah, around the courtyard. And it surrounded the whole Mishkan. And these were, I guess you could call them beams. And they stood upright, and they were placed into sockets, which were called, you may know, Adanim. And the Adanim were banged into the ground, and then the Krashim were placed into them, and that's how they stood. And by the way, to this day, they use a similar system for certain things in the army. Fascinating. Okay? So these beams were so heavy that you couldn't lift them. No human being could lift them. You couldn't even get them to stand up straight. Now, so Moshe put it all together. Amar Moshe says for how could a human being put this together? Like he sees it. He sees what he's being commanded. He sees what they're going to do. They're building this. How are we going to put this together? And by the way, this is not just about putting it together. It's about putting it together and taking it apart and putting it together and taking it apart. 
First of all, for seven days, they're going to put it together and take it apart every day. Remember this? That's going to be in Parashat Shemini. That's the Shemani Yemei Miluim. Until the eighth day when they put it together and then they don't take it apart. But when do they take it apart? Every time they travel. travel. So it's pretty important to be able to take it apart. Somebody says, I bought you a suitcase, the most incredible suitcase. It has pockets on the outside, pockets on the inside. It has a little plug you can charge your phone. Right? It has a little refrigerator you can heat up your wood. It's unbelievable, right? Unbelievable. And they bring this thing in, it's double the size of the Bima. It's an incredible suitcase, but I can't use it because who could travel with a thing like that? Right? That's why nobody makes a suitcase like that. Because <laughs> nobody would buy it. Right? So, Amalei, Hashem says to him, Asok atabiyadcha. You do your bit. You do your bit and you try to pull it up. It'll look like you're putting it up, but it'll stand on its own. Trust me. I got this. Later on in Parakmet, it says, The Mishkan was erected. It doesn't say anybody put it together because it's really Hashem putting together the Mishkan. It was put together on its own. So now, that's an interesting thing. Hashem plans a Mishkan, tells everybody to put it together, but plans it in a way that it can't be put together. What's the point of having something you can't be put together in order to create a miracle that it can be put together? And then you spend all this time saying, look what they did. When Rashi quotes the message and says, but they couldn't have done it. So what's going on here? How do we understand this? So I want to share with you two ideas. And I believe that they're both really valuable ideas and it's appropriate that at the end of Sefer Shemot we have these two ideas. The first comes from the Nitziv. Why, does, why is so much emphasis put on the fact that they did what they were supposed to do and they did what Hashem commanded them? So the Nitziv has a magnificent idea. It's like this. Um, let's see if I can find it. Um, sorry. Second... I'm don't know if his parish has ever been translated to English. Um, I don't think his Hebrew is that difficult. Magnificent parish. Rosh Hashiva Valajan. He was the son in law of anybody know? Chaim Valajan, the Nefesh Chaim. By the way, who was the Rebbe of the Nefesh Chaim and his father in law? The Gra. So the Nitziv's relationship to the Gra is like my relationship to Rosalvechik. Right? And, and I, I was Zohar to hear Shiurim from Rosalvechik. I certainly met him once, and I was very influenced by him because all my Rebbeim were just telling me. So the Nitziv is clearly very impacted by the Gra. By the way, one of the things that the Vilna Gaon did, right, um, that people aren't aware of, was he was a serious Zionist. He wasn't a Zionist in the traditional fashion of like State of Israel. He was a Zionist in its traditional form, which meant we should all belong in Israel. The Gra basically writes a sefer called Kolat Ono. No, it's his uh, Talmud, Nachmuf uh, who writes a sefer called Kolator. He shares many of the discussions of the Vilna Gaon about redemption, Mashiach being at hand. He really felt they were close to redemption. And he basically told all his Talmudim, it's time to go. You should all go back to Eretz Israel. And many of his students came to Israel. The entire... Yerushalmi Minhagim are based on the Talmudim of the Gura. They fundamentally impacted, they changed everything 
because it was the first significant wave of return to Eretz Israel, thousand years, and it, it was really the trickle that began the stream that turned into the river and the torrent of, of Aliyah. And the Groh felt it was coming, right? So he was obviously influenced by him. There was a cloise of Tzionut. It's not accidental. Who was the greatest Tzionin Rav before there was a state of Israel you could think of? Rav Cook. And who was Rav Cook's Rebbe? The Nitziv. He learned in Valash for five and a half years. This was his Rebbe. So listen to what he says. Sher Tzivat Moshe Kenasu, Yadua, it is known, She Yisrael nit Abu Ma'od, Sheyash Chinash Ruyah the Jewish people were, were so desirous, they were so excited that the Shekhinah, that somehow they should feel the presence of Hashem in their midst. By the way, why do you think the Jewish people were so excited about this? <coughs> Not just that they thought they were destroyed. When is all this going on? <coughs> when were they given the Mitzvah to build the Mishkan? The day after... Yom Kippur. The day after Yom Kippur. Right? Right after the Jewish people finally are forgiven <coughs> and the second Luchot are given. But they're still, they're still in the shadow of Chetay. They blew. <coughs> they should have been in Israel already. And Hashem gives them a mitzvah to build a Mishkan. You know, it's like the guy who cheats on his wife. And he's kicked out of the house and he's miserable. Right? And he's desperate to get back with his wife. He knows he messed up. Or whatever he did. And <clears throat> he keeps begging to come back. And, and one day, she sends a message to him that, I don't know, um, you know she's going to be overseas for work, and there's a problem with the house, there's a plumbing mess up, and she doesn't know what to do. You know, if he's so interested in helping her, call the plumbers, figure it out, work on the sewage, whatever. This project is the most important project in his life. Because he now has an opportunity to do something for her and hope that, that she can accept him back in his life. Jewish people are building a Mishkan after Chet Ego. Now regardless of whether you accept the Ramban or Rashi, whether it was direct consequence, they're, they're so, they, they've become distant from Hashem. There's nothing more important to them than that Hashem should be back in the midst. They should feel the presence of Hashem. Right? Hayao le'aladat. So one would think, Right? That because of this, they tried to do everything. They went nuts with everything. They only did what Hashem commanded. Now, that's an important idea. The Nitzv speaks about this in a number of different places. By the way, we find a, 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 an allusion to this in Parsha Tetzaveh. What happens in Parsha Tetzaveh? Right? They're given the command to give. The Jewish people begin to offer what they've been commanded to offer to volunteer. Every morning they're bringing more offerings. Finally, this is great. Who are the Chachamim? Leadership who are balanced. All the work that they're doing to build the Mishkan which means they're doing it, not the Jews. They're bringing too much. There's too much. We, we don't need all this gold. So what do you do? You know, we're going to do a campaign in May. Because you know, by that time we know we need scholarships and 
never turned a student down because of funding. Hashem should bless us, we never do. So we'll do a fundraising campaign and we'll try to raise money. So we'll raise, I don't know, let's say we try to raise $100,000, whatever it is, I don't know. Can you imagine I get a call from Scott says, listen, I don't know what to do. People are unbelievable, but they, they, we have $300,000 already. So what would I say? One word. Sababa. But that's not what he says. If I get Sav Moshe, Moshe immediately commands, call goes out in the camp. Don't bring any more. Stop donating! In the history of Judaism, that is the only time that ever happened. It's never happened since. No fundraiser will ever do that. Says the Nitziv, you can get so, you can get so caught up in the passion of the project, you can get so carried away that you forget what it's all about. It becomes all about bringing the gold instead of what you need the gold for. They had so much passion to develop their relationship with Hashem that the possibility that they would get so carried away, they'd forget that the Mishkan has a structure. It has a limit. This is a really important idea. You get so excited about something, just remember what it's for. Remember what its purpose is. You know? You're sitting here in a base menace and you're learning Torah. It's unbelievable. But if you get so carried away with learning Torah that you forget the purpose of the Torah, if you're so busy learning Torah that, I don't know, you stop calling your parents. If you get so busy learning Torah that you don't have time to, 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 to clean up your room. You get so busy learning Torah that you, you leave breakfast in a hurry and leave your dishes on the table because you're learning Torah. You lost the forest for the trees. We learn Torah to become better human beings. We learn Torah to become mensches. We learn... If we, lose, if we lose the whole point of it, then there is no point to it. We started talking about it, some of us this week. Don't underestimate. Don't underestimate the power of these issues. If you can go to the bathroom here and walk out and there's no toilet paper in the holder and it doesn't bother you enough to go find a toilet paper roll and put it in place, then all your Torah is nothing because you're not a mensch. If you can walk out of the dining room and your table isn't clear because someone else will do it, there shouldn't be a need for Taranim. Pardon? Oh, yeah, okay. There shouldn't be a need for Taranim. Right? So that's the first message. Pekude ends the way Pekude ends. It's an accounting precisely because you've got to slow it down. All this energy, the sea split that we got out of Egypt and their plagues and, and crashing mountains and upside down mountains and it's unbelievable... Slow it down. We're building a mishkan, and the and the and the and and the, and the beams have to fit into the sockets. You understand? That's the first idea. Don't get so carried away that you lose the message. Second idea, okay? And by the way, you want to know a great example of this? This is an opinion. You can debate this, but um, in nineteen in two thousand five. Without getting into all the politics and the history, that's a good Q&A topic. But in 2005, the Israeli government decided to pull out of um, Gush Katif. There were 22 beautiful towns and villages in and around the Gaza Strip. They evacuated 8,000 Jews from their homes. The army evacuated is a horrible experience. The whole thing was horrible from start to finish. I'm not going to get into the politics of it. I'm not going to debate it. It's a, but you know what the most difficult, the most painful, the saddest part of that whole thing was? I remember there was a television reporter 
it was like boring already, you know? How many, how many videos can you show of women crying and children crying and soldiers carrying them, whatever, and houses being dismantled? Like, let's do something. So let's do a human interest. So he goes to the beach in Tel Aviv. True story, right? Goes to the beach in Tel Aviv, okay? It's like a couple days after Tisha B'Av. Middle of the Hitnatkut, and he wants to interview people, right? So he's interviewing people, right? And he says, so what do you think of the Hitnatkut? The what? You know, like they're pulling people out of uh, Gush Katif. Oh, really? Do you know where Gush Katif is? Yeah, isn't it up like in the north, near, the, near Lebanon? Like, it's not, it's along the coast, Ashkelon, Ashdod. All these people had no idea what was going on. And it was, it, I remember seeing this, it was like a shock. How could a Jew, experience, how could that be going on? You don't know anything about it. And I did a lot of thinking about this. And you know whose fault that is? It's ours. We got so caught up into building settlements, to building up Eretz Israel, we lost Am Israel. We stopped focusing on our fellow Jews. And I'm not blaming anybody, I'm saying all of us, collectively. You gotta be very careful. You gotta be careful not to lose the forest for the trees. You get so excited about building a Mishkan, don't forget what the Mishkan's for. You're so excited about building a castle of Torah and Lumdus and, and your tzitzis are hanging out and your Gemara learning, whatever, if you're not a better human being as a result, then there is no point to it. Last point. Right? Moshe couldn't lift the crushing. Hashem builds a mishkan that can't be built. So if we had 20 minutes, I'd elaborate this, but I'll just give you the 60-second idea. Hashem creates a world, and He wants us to do our bit. Right? Okay? That's what, right? Hashem Adam you have to work the land. It's a lot of work. And you do all that work and you think, look what I built. Just remember who really builds the Mishkan. Remember when you build, who's really building. You're supposed to want to put the Mishkan together. You're supposed to do everything you can to build the Mishkan. And then you're supposed to remember, built the Mishkan. You sit in the base medrash and you learn a lot of Gemara and you feel so good about yourself and you should. And then you should remember, how did I learn all this Gemara? Because Hashem gave me a mind. Because Hashem gave me a ratzon. It's all a Kosh Baruchos. L'Hashem Ha'aretz It all belongs to Hashem. We have to be participants. We have to be partners. We have to do everything we can do. We have to imagine it's all dependent on us. And then we have to remember Hukama Mishkan. It's really a Kosh Baruch. If I can find that balance, if I just think it's all a Kosh Baruch Hu and I don't have to do anything, then I've missed the boat. But if I think it's all on me and if I get a Kosh Baruch Hu, then the boat sank. That balance is the second idea. Two ideas to think about for Parashat Pekudeh and the rabbi who ended on time.